right. Hey guys, so good to see you this morning. And uh, man, I love your church and uh, love being back. You know, I'm so excited for Nick and Rachel and baby Porter that came into the world here, what, about a week ago or less than a week ago or something like that. So important stuff. So congratulations to them and everything. So New Year's resolution is to be a dad of two this year, right? All right, that's pretty big time. You have to go um, one-on-one. Uh, and so well, I'm excited to be able to talk to you guys. I, uh, I'm, my name, again, I'm Brian Baldwin. I work at the Baptist General Convention of Oklahoma. I'm the Youth Evangelism and Mission Specialist at the Baptist General Convention of Oklahoma. Kind of a mouthful, isn't it, right? I always kind of joke and say they give us uh, longer titles instead of raises, you know, so we feel better about ourselves, you know. Uh, no, but anyways, uh, I love um, getting to do what I do. Um, when it comes to evangelism, I think it's the most exciting part of being a Christian, uh, really is, like the cause, the mission. And so uh, I also uh, have some kiddos. Uh, my wife and I, we've been uh, married for 20 years. We have four kids, actually, so a few more to go, man. We'll, we'll be there. Uh, and so um, I have a daughter, Mackenzie, uh, another daughter, Madison, a nine-year-old Jonah, and we just had a little boy uh, back in 2020, Jack. He was a little little pandemic surprise baby, and, uh, and so I uh, really appreciate them letting me come and get to share with you guys here today. And uh, yeah, it's New Year's, and actually, I really like New Year's. It's a kind of a time to, to start all over, you know, saying, so you know what, we're just going to like fresh calendar, fresh year, keep moving forward, and uh, obviously, uh, we've all made some kind of New Year's resolutions. I actually have gone way overboard on New Year's resol- resolutions in the past, I remember one year, I wrote down something like 40 New Year's resolutions I was going to make. I thought, well, if I'm going to change my life, I might as well change a lot, right? And some of them were really silly, like, uh, um, like me and my wife, we were really young, we were married, and so we were really poor, and so we had to use these things called ice trays. You guys remember ice trays? Yeah, ice trays, you know? And uh, my goal was to empty those like every day because, you know, we didn't like not having ice. Or one time I, I wanted to be chivalrous and I said, honey, I'm not going to let you get gas in your car for a whole year. I'm going I'm to put gas in your car for a year. You know, I made it like six months and, you know, youth ministry in the summer is difficult sometimes. And so I made it, you know, for a while. And some things like stick and some things don't. Um, one New Year's resolution I made was to not drink like Coke, Dr. Pepper, Pepsi, like cola. For, for a year, and you know what, I made it, and then I decided, you know what, I'm going to go two years, and then I went three years, and you know, t- over 20 years ago, I made that resolution, and I still haven't had like Dr. Pepper, Coke, or Pepsi, or anything like that, um, and so some of them stick, some of them don't, and uh, you know, some of them are silly, some of them are really important, the most common New Year's resolution, obviously, is to lose weight, and some people are like, you know what, I'll start, you know, uh, on, you know, on Monday or, or whatever it is, and uh, sometimes we make it, sometimes we don't. Uh, but you know what? All this stuff, like when it comes to resolutions or being better at certain things, um, it really is not as hard as you think. Like, to, um, for example, um, hey, do I have a clicker thing up here? Is it where now? Oh, there it is right there. Wait, there it is. Got it, got it. Here it is right here. Cool. Is it? Uh, oh, this one. And there it is. Awesome. All right, so that's my family right there. Uh, let's say New Year's resolution to lose weight. You really two simple things. Exercise and eat right. Okay? So we all know that. We all should be able to do that, right? Easier said than done. When it comes to being financial, like this year, you know what? I'm not going to be poor this year. I'm going to be responsible with my finances. Really, being financially healthy is not that complicated either. It's spend less, save more. Simple, right? 
you know, easier said than done. Or when it comes to relationships, you might say, you know what, I'm going to love my spouse this year. Uh, and the secret to that is rub noses together, just like this nice couple. Just rub your noses together. That's, that's how it's... No, I'm just kidding. No, really, relationally, if you'll just not be a jerk and you'll spend time together, really, you'll do pretty good, right? But it's easier said than done. And when even spiritually, obviously here at church today, I'm honestly seeking to know him and make him known is really the inhale and the exhale of a Christian. You know, it's not that complicated, but you know, it's easier to talk about it than it is to be about it, right? And so I want to talk about being about it, especially when it comes to, I believe, the most important part of um, being a Christian after knowing God, and that's making Him known. Um, Guys, if you think about it, if you want to make an investment, make an investment in eternity. I always like to remind people that in three generations from now, you'll be completely forgotten off the face of the earth. Isn't that encouraging? (laughs) Like, wow, nice preacher this morning. Um, But in reality, instead of living for ourselves and be thinking, okay, how can I make my life ultimately happy and all this stuff? Instead, let's live for eternity. And one of the ways you can do that, and one of the ways you can send a ripple into eternity is to seek to know God, make him known. And I want to talk to you guys this morning about this year. I want to, I want to challenge you this year to live a gospel-advancing life this year, to live for eternity, meaning when it comes to sharing and showing the gospel to others, that's something that will matter, not just for the next year or the, the next you know, 10 years or 20 years, but that will literally send a ripple into eternity. And so let's invest well. So, um, you know, when it comes to... Uh, advancing the gospel, living in the Bible but like we do. Sometimes we think we're doing a pretty good job. Uh, for example, like uh, uh, I get to serve down at the, the world's largest youth camp called Falls Creek. Anybody here been to Falls Creek before? Okay. Uh, and you, sometimes we think, oh, you know, Oklahoma, we're doing pretty good. This year we had more people come to know Christ than any other summer in all the history of Falls Creek in over 100 years. You might think we're doing pretty good, or you might think, you know, there's churches on every corner, uh, things are going pretty well. But in reality, actually, um, sometimes we, we get confidence, and, um, but in reality, sometimes we, we struggle. And, uh, you know, the United States started as a Christian nation, and they enjoy, we enjoyed the benefits of that. And that's not like because of anything like special, you know, anointing from God, but he actually says that if we'll walk with him, that things will actually go well for us. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 29, it says, Oh, that their hearts would be inclined to fear me and keep my commands. Um, it says, Always, and so that it might go well with them, right? And that their children forever. So sometimes it's just, man, if you'll just walk down God's path, he says it'll go well for you. Um, and uh, and the, our, our nation was founded on Christian principles, and God has blessed that, but we strayed from that a lot, obviously. Um, but I think about, you know, a century ago, um, when it comes to baptisms, uh, you know, actually back in the 1940s, we had this big spike when it, when it comes to the Baptist Convention, the Southern Baptist Convention. And, uh, and it's, it's kind of held there, but in the year 2000, there was a drop in baptisms that has never recovered, Right? It's been on a decline for, man, 22 years now, um, every year. And uh, you think about that, we have more churches than ever, more church staff positions than ever. We have more events, we have more resources, um, and all these things. But there's this decline that's happened, you know. And I think about uh, 
all these resources. I have a friend named Ben Trueblood. He's head of all the student stuff of Lifeway, kind of a national, our national resources. He said, we've got so many resources. We have so many opportunities. And this is what he said. If we would just do those things, though, right? If we would just actually do those things that we talk about instead of just you know, thinking that we can have another strategy or this is going to be the answer. But if we would just do the things that we already know what we're supposed to do, that's really where the change will happen. And, uh, and I think that's super important. You know, when it comes to doing, I want to talk to you guys about that. When it comes to the Great Commission that Jesus gave us, you know, uh, I want to, I'm going to quote the Great Commission. Actually, i put it on the screen. You tell me the missing word right here, right? Um, and start in verse 19 of Matthew 28. It says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all right, and teaching them to observe, right? Or obey, you know, some translations say that. Uh, all I've commanded you, and sure, I'm with you always until the end of the age. You know, that little small word, obey, is absolutely crucial. Because remember, it's easy to teach. Actually, working for the convention, and I come up and I, I get to teach a lot. I get to stand on the stage at Falls Creek and talk to 5,000 students. You know, it's pretty awesome. Um, I get to teach a lot, but really, um, what guys like do, like, like Nick, or, or, or guys in the trenches, maybe Sunday school teachers, maybe people that are... Because getting people a lot harder job than just guys like me that teach people things. Because getting people to obey is a lot, it's the role of a shepherd, right? Again, we all know how to lose weight. We all know how to be financially wealthy. We all know how to be relationally successful. But to actually do those things, man, that's hard. And getting people to obey, man, that's the work of a shepherd. That's really hard. But that's what God has called us to do is to teach them to obey. And this morning I've come to you and, man, I hope that I'll teach you something. But really, like, we want you, we want you to do something with this, right? We didn't just, like, come here for nothing. Right? We didn't gather here for nothing. We want you to do something. We want you to obey. And that's the key part of the Great Commission, is to obey. So we want to talk about obedience today. And, and the process of, 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 that's kind of squeezed between this process of revelation and transformation. And I know that sounds kind of confusing, but I encourage you maybe to take some notes. We're going to talk about three words or some notes on your bulletin, uh, or some space for notes. And really, if you want to give like three sections today, first section talking about revelation the second section talked about obedience, and then the third one we're going to talk about transformation. And so uh, we'll talk first um, about revelation here today, because really this is where it starts from is revelation. Um, it's kind of the revelation, not talking about the book of Revelation, but we're talking about what that means is a parting, like a, a revealing, a parting of the curtains. Has anybody here ever been to Branson before, Sight and Sound Theater? Right, you might recognize um, some, of these, uh, some of these different... Um, plays. This is, from, uh, this is from Noah. This is from Jonah. And then this is from um, Samson. And man, I haven't got to get back to Branson since then. But what's really cool about these places is that um, whether the, the lights are off and then they turn the lights on and like, wow, like there's a stage full of amazing stuff or the, the curtain pulls up and like, wow, what's there? Like it's something that, that you, was not revealed to you, but because the curtain was parted, you see what you didn't see before. And really, that's what Re- Revelation is. It's the parting of the curtains. It's, it's God revealing himself to you. And, um, and, and you don't know that until he kind of parts those curtains and he reveals that. That's a work of the Spirit. It actually says in um, Matthew chapter 16, 
if you look in verse 15 to 17, you know, people are, are, are Jesus is saying to his disciples, who do the people say that I am? And some say, you're like John the Baptist. Some say, you're like Elijah. But then Jesus says to Peter in verse 15, who do you say that I am, Peter? And then Peter answered, you are the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, um, Simon, um, son of Jonah. Or this was not what? Revealed to you by man, but this was revealed to you by my Father in heaven. And so when it comes to revelation, that is, that is a work of God. God is the one who parts the curtains and reveals things to us. And, you know, that doesn't mean that we can't, um, you know, uh, you're right, we can't make God reveal himself to us, but we sure can um, set the sails to allow that to happen. Um, and so, oh, this got a little bit out of order, guys. That's okay, we'll be fine. Um, and so we can set the sails. It says in... Um, uh, in Romans 3.24, talks about... Let me go back to there. We will. Uh, he says that um, we're justified freely by God's grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. And, you know, God has is, is revealed himself to us, and he is, he, we are approved, we're approved by him not because of anything we've done, but because of what he's done for us. And, uh, and so we want to remember that. So I want to I skip forward just a little bit here to talk about... Uh, instead of talking about obedience next, we're going to go straight to transformation. I know this is like a, a, a Baptist sin to not go in order of point one, two, and three, but we're going to go point one, then three, then two, okay? Uh, because I want to talk about the, the work that God does. He reveals himself to us. That's his work. And again, we can't make God reveal himself to us, but we sure can set the sails, right? Just like you can't make the wind blow, but you can set the sails, you know, so when it does blow, it's ready. All right? But here's the thing. We also cannot bring transformation on our own. God does that as well, too. And uh, transformation is not just when you talk about something, it's when you act. Transformation is not just when you say something, it's actually when you show something. You know, transformation is not just when you promise something, it's when you prove something. Right? It is the actual doing it. It's, it's, it's transformation. And, and so I think about what, what should be transformed, right? 2022, what should be transformed? Um, I think one is yourself, obviously, you know, because that's our first responsibility. Is, and it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. There is this picture of transformation that happens there that only God can bring a new creation. It says in Romans 12, verse 2, it says, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we're talking about transformation here. Ourselves, we're to be transformed. You know, and I think kind of with that too, not only that, our, our family and friends should be transformed too. I believe that because God has saved you, he didn't just save you just for, for you. He wants to reach your family. I mean, if you think about it, you know, even sometimes uh, in scriptures, it seems like, man, when, when, when you reach a certain person, their whole family is impacted. I love this story about um, how Andrew uh, and Peter, they were in prison for preaching the gospel. Um, and uh, well, I'm going to go back up here, actually, before that. I'm talking about family. Um, well, Andrew brings his brother Simon Peter to Jesus. That was the first thing he did was to bring his brother Simon after he was saved. You know, it's like, oh, I need to tell my, my brother about this, right? Um, and asking you a question, have you shared 
the gospel with your family? Is your mom or dad saved? Is your brother or sister saved? Those people that you met with at Christmas time, do they know Jesus, right? And so ourselves are supposed to be saved, um, but also our community as well. And I love, I love your community. Driving in here today, seeing that big Christmas tree, I think you have an awesome community. Like Enon is a great, great city. And um, raise your hand if you've kind of grown, grown up here in Enid. Anybody here grown up here? Okay. And I think that God is a special sort of like um, accountability that we have to reaching the place that we grew up. Um, I think about um, in our communities, uh, even in Mark chapter uh, 5, verse 18 to 20, um, there's this story about uh, this demon-possessed guy that Jesus cast these demons out and being into a herd of pigs. You've probably heard that story before. And this guy that was healed from, from this, he begged to go with Jesus. In verse 19, Jesus didn't let him. Meaning like Jesus was not in his hometown. He was, he was somewhere else. And he, this demon-possessed guy wanted to go with Jesus. Which seems kind of natural. that you'd want to do that. But actually, Jesus says, I want you to go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. And, um, and how he had mercy on you. And then it says in verse 20 that the man, he went away and began to tell in the Decapolis, which means 10 Greek cities, Deca, right? 10, his, his, his area right there. And, and I think about it, um, he was called to reach his community. And this guy was probably set up to be able to reach his community better than anybody else. And, and here's the thing, I, I'm all about missions. But, you know, uh, when it comes to reaching people here, you're, the best people to do that are the people that are from here, is to reach the people from here. And so um, our community is super important for that. And so what are you doing, you're thinking about this year, have yourself being transformed, but also our community. What's your plan to, to transform this community with the gospel of Jesus Christ? You know, so we're called to do that. And um, also our world is to be transformed as well, too. You know, we're called to go anywhere and everywhere with the gospel. I mean, that's what the, the, the scriptures mean in the Great Commission. Uh, one of the Great Commission passages is Acts 1-8, where Jesus says, hey, you're going to you know, be filled with the Holy Spirit, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Basically, you're going to be my witnesses here, near, and far. And so our world is supposed to be transformed because of um, who we are, uh, who, what God has done in our life. And so, I mean, I think about our world as much as we need to reach our own nation. If we, if we reach every person in America with the gospel, we have only reached 5% of the world. Do you know that? And so there's a whole lot of the world. And by the way, there's a lot of places that haven't even, they don't have the exposure to the gospel like we do. Um, just so you know, some statistics that there's about one Baptist church in Oklahoma, Texas, like the Bible Belt area. There's about one Baptist church for every 1,200 people. That's one Baptist church. There's a lot of other great evangelical churches out there that are reaching people. But there's one Baptist church for every 1,200 people. There's a lot. Okay, even driving in here today, you know, there's a lot of churches around. We have those. And there are a lot of places in the world that don't have that exposure. For example, we send students, you know, all over the world. One of the places is in uh, Velo Real, Portugal, where um, the church planner we work with is the only Baptist church in a city, metro city area of 200,000 people. You know, and, there's, and, and that's not even just like, uh, not even just Portugal. There are places, man, where they don't even know the name of Jesus, and so if, any, if who much is given, much is expected. If anybody should go and impact in our world being transformed, it should be by those that have been given much. And so this year, thinking about missions here, near, and far, 
You know, how are you going to make an impact there? How are you going to let the Lord use you? And so that's, uh, that's I think, about transformation, man, our, ourselves, um, a transformation in our families, you know, transformation in our communities and in our world. You know, that's how we should be investing our life in that. Um, but here's the thing, guys. I want us to think about the key part of this is the obedience. Remember, that's the second point we're talking about here, is obedience. Because honestly, God does the revelation part. You know, we set the sails, and, and, and hopefully even today we're here we're setting the sails. Lord, show us, reveal yourself to us here today. You know, and when it comes to transformation, that's also a work of God. He is the one who makes us a new creation, right? It's not that we just really improve ourselves and we get better. Like, God is the one who does that. He brings transformation. Um, but our part falls in the middle, and that's obedience, to obey. Remember the Great Commission? It says to teach them to obey everything I've commanded you, right? Um, and so I want us to think about that. Um, and I want us to think about, um, even in the scriptures, of, of when God has revealed himself to people, and then they obeyed, and then their world was transformed. All right, just a couple of those. Here's one. We know about Noah, right? God revealed something to Noah. It's kind of big news, by the way. Um, I'm going to restart the world. I need you to build a big boat. Spend about 100 years doing that. And uh, so, so Noah, God reveals something to Noah. He obeyed, and his world was transformed, like literally transformed, like literally the whole thing, you know. Um, and so I want us to keep going. Think Abraham, you know, when it, God said to Abraham, I want you, you reveal to Abraham, I want you to leave your people and go to this new place. I'm going to do new work in you. You're going to be my people. Was, you know, uh, he didn't understand where that even was. Um, he just obeyed and went. I mean, God didn't even say, you're going to be, in, you're going to end up here and this is what's going to happen. No, he said to Abraham, take your stuff and go. I'll show you where to go. I'm going to make you a people. It's going to outnumber the, the sand on the seashore and the stars in the sky. And he obeyed and his world was transformed, right? And the whole, the whole world was transformed because of that. I mean, he was tested all, you know, God revealed some things. You should do this, Abraham. He was tested. He obeyed. And because of that, I mean, there was transformation that took, took place. Even with, with Abraham um, and his sacrificing Isaac, how that was a picture of the gospel. And that was a key moment in Abraham's life right there at that test. Um, and so we know about um, Moses. When, when God revealed to Moses, hey, I, I want you to go up to the world's superpower of the day, of the Pharaoh, and I want you to tell him, go let all the slaves go. And, uh, and you know what? Moses, he obeyed. And because of that, there was transformation. I mean, that was like critical part of, of, of Scripture right there. If you keep going, even with like Joshua, God revealed to Joshua, hey, you're, gonna, you're going to the promised land. Are you going to go in this place, you know, uh, uh, you're going to walk around the city um, for seven days and, and uh, the walls of, uh, of Nineveh, they're going to fall. And, I'm sorry, Jericho, they're going to fall. And, uh, and so he obeyed that and then God transformed his life and his world. You know, and I think about David in the scriptures. What if David, when, when, when God revealed to him, hey, I want, you to, um, I want you to go take a stand against Goliath. What if he said, you know what, I'm not... I'm not going to actually do that. I may be inspired, but I'm not actually going to do that. Um, it, it would be totally different, right? Because he obeyed. Man, uh, David, his life was transformed. His, his, his nation was transformed. His, the whole world was transformed because he obeyed. I think, you know, kind of where I'm going with this is that, um, man, we're called to obey. Just even quickly, Peter, what if Peter didn't obey? All right, what if Peter just left it as being inspired by God? 
I mean, he led the church in Jerusalem. Like he, he was instrumental in the New Testament church. He obeyed, and his world was transformed. Um, you look at Paul. When it comes to Paul, Paul was, you know, obeyed Jesus' commission um, after this radical conversion he had. Um, he obeyed, went on these missionary journeys, and from those points, the gospel went out into the whole world, um, and he and his world was transformed. So, I think you're getting the point here. Is that uh, you know Revelation leads to obedience, then that leads to transformation. Same for you guys today. Your, you know, the Bible's not just a story, it's our story, right? Um, God wants, is still revealing himself to his people. And we are still called to obey him. And we can still look forward to transformation in our lives, in our community, in our world. And so I want us to think about that, guys, today. And when it comes to um, evangelism especially... Um, obviously, it's a big passion of mine. Um, it, is the, it is the revelation that Jesus gave us in the Great Commission. It's like the primary task of the church was revealed to us. It says to go, to make disciples of all nations, you know, preach the gospel to everyone. You'll be my witnesses. That's the primary task of the church. You know? and, and honestly, it's, it's almost a little bit of a great omission because only about 2% of Christians share their faith on a regular basis. 2%. That's, that's, and that was the, like the, the primary task he gave the church, is to share the gospel. And so I want to just challenge you as we kind of wrap up this service today, to, to be thinking, okay, today, Lord, you revealed to me that we're, we're called to know you, called to make you known. Uh, I want to obey you in this. And then transformation will come. It's, and here's the thing. It is, it, is, it is definitely one of those big if-then-thens, right? If-then-thens. You, you ever think about that? Like, if something, then something. For example, if I lost my job, then I'm going to find another one, right? Um, if I am got some kind of sickness going on, then I'm going to go to the doctor and try to get well, right? If, then, then. And so I want us to think about if God has revealed something to you, then that sh- there should be a response in there. There should be the obedience in there. Um, and it doesn't mean that's going to be easy. And honestly, you think about um, transformation. Uh, transformation is just little, little bits of obedience that we, that we do, maybe like taking little baby steps in that that all of a sudden those habits, those steps of obedience happen all the time. You know what that's called? Transformation, right? That's called transformation. Um, and so I want you to think, but what are those steps that God's called, calling you to take this year or this day even? Um, and, and obey that and obey that. And I encourage, you, I encourage you guys, especially when it comes to evangelism, advancing the gospel, to have some baby steps. Start ridiculously small if you need to, Right? Um, could be, I remember, uh, I just, when I first started, um, sharing my faith, I got some gospel tracks and I would just like put them in pants pockets at the mall, you know, and someday they're going to buy these pants and someday they're going to get this gospel track and ah, a message from God, you know, or, um, then I started taking steps and I would take gospel tracks and I'm like basically hand them to people and then run away, <laughs> you know, cause I was like too scared. And then I would take steps and hand them to somebody and then I'd actually talk to them for a little bit. And, and then on and on it goes, you take more and more steps. You know, what baby step do you need to take be, to be obedient? And I also encourage you when it comes to this, you know, um, obeying the Lord, his great commission, is, is to have some clear intentions, you know. 
And what I mean by that is, like, um, if you go to, anybody here like to fish or hunt? Anybody like to hunt or fish in here? Okay, you just have a few people like that. Um, you have clear intentions when you go do that. I mean, you don't just, like, get, hold, hold your pole and cast it out in your front yard. or something. Like, you're going to go somewhere where the fish are, right? Or if you're going to hunt somewhere, there's a place you're going. You may have even have the intention to put a, a stand up or know what's out there and all that. You have clear intentions. And I think about spiritually, we need a fishing spot. Where's your fishing spot spiritually? You know, where are you around lost people to be able to make a difference in, with, with the lost? Maybe a, um, a goal this year is to put yourself around lost people. Okay, to, to have, you know, fish don't always jump in your boat. Most of the time, you got to go to the fish. And so we're called to be a fisher of men, having clear intentions in that. And um, we're actually, I'm really excited about a, um, oh, look back here. I think I have it. Oh, don't quite. Uh, I have a, uh, we're, we're launching a new app actually here pretty soon called the Good News Coach, which is an app that um, will help train people in evangelism, but it's, a, it's called Good News Coach because a coach is there to push you. You know, um, encouraging you is not just an arm around the shoulder. It's also a hand in the back is what encouraging is. And so the Good News Coach is an app that not only teaches you how to share your faith, but you put somebody as your coach in there, and they uh, are aware. You could see how you're doing with sharing your faith in there. It's almost like a little nudge in the back saying, hey, could you hold me accountable to actually doing this? You know, so might, might be looking for that. That's actually launching in the next week. Good news coach in the, in the app store really help you with that. Or maybe um, you're just going to, even today, pre-commit right now, maybe to one person that you're going to open a, a conversation with the intention of sharing your faith within the next 72 hours. Maybe that's a response that you can make today, a, a, cl- a real clear intentions uh, on, that you're going to do that. Um, Maybe it's just you're going to surround yourself with supporters in this cause of Christ and being faithful to the church this year, what God's called us to do. Uh, maybe it's uh, you, a step you can take is to change your mindset this year. Um, and I know, too, you guys not having a pastor here, it's been kind of hard, all this. You know, and, and God has called, even this morning, um, Nick's like, we're probably a smaller crowd than we usually do in the mornings, and the snow probably didn't help. You know what? Um, we're called to be faithful, not successful. And that really hurt me in ministry to like try to, like numbers was always like, yeah, you know, why aren't they here and all that. And that's, I think that is important, but really God's not called us to be successful. He's called us to be faithful. I'm pretty sure God's not going to say to you someday, well done, my good and successful servant. You are so successful. No, hopefully you hear the words, what? Well done, my good and faithful servant. And so maybe this year is just a change of mindset. I'm going to be faithfulness-driven, not success-driven, because that's what God's called us to do. Um, and so whatever it is, even, maybe even today, um, you would say a response could be, you know, I'm going to set an alarm on my phone today. Uh, what is today? Uh, it's the 2nd of January. Maybe at, it's at 102. Your alarm goes off um, every day until you open that conversation with that lost person. You know, well, maybe that's a good way you could be about it today. And not just walk out of here and say, well, that was another sermon, you know. Instead, there's this reminder going off every day. Oh, I'm actually supposed to be about this and actually do it. I'm called to obey and actually do it. And so maybe that's a way you can respond today. So whatever it is. And so I mean, we're called to respond uh, to the gospel. So again, um, in the Great Commission, teaching them to obey everything. What are you called to obey to do today? And so and even if you're here today... Um, and you haven't obeyed the gospel and putting your trust in Jesus, I want to remind you 
that God created you to have a relationship with him, and that you're, he loves us, but our sin separates us from God, and that sin can't be removed by being religious or coming to church. Sin can only be removed by putting our faith and trust in Jesus. God with skin on it came into the world about 2,022 years ago, um, and he died on the cross to pay for our sins, right? He died on the cross to, even though we broke God's law, Jesus paid our penalty. So we can, I, I do jail ministry uh, uh, once, actually twice a week now, and I tell those guys that are about to see the judge, imagine an innocent person came into the courtroom and paid your penalty. That's exactly what Jesus did for us on the cross. We broke God's law, Jesus paid our fine. So we don't have to, you know, the Bible says, for God so loved the world, they gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. He who believes in the son of God is not condemned, but he who does not believe, who rejects it, is condemned already. I mean, because they rejected their payment for their sins. So, so God, God created us to be with him. Our sin separates us from God. That sins can't be removed by good deeds. That's what religion is. But Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins. He rose from the grave, proving everything he said was true, and that we have that same hope. That after we die, we have this hope of a resurrection. And because Jesus was the tip of the resurrection parade, and he rose from the dead, and we have that same exact hope. And everyone who puts their faith and trust in Jesus has eternal life. Everyone. I mean, everyone. I've talked to guys at the jail. Actually, this last week, uh, I talked to a whole room full of, of, of teens and juveniles that were, uh, I think there was eight of them, that were all in for murder. One of, one of the teens had um, shot his stepdad um, and basically burned his body. And I mean, I'm like, wow, this is an interesting person I'm talking to right here. You know, and, and even some of those guys say, is there hope for me? So, well, well yeah, yeah, because, because the, the blood of Christ is potent. And everyone who puts their trust in Christ alone has eternal life, everyone. And so have you put your trust in Christ today? Have you put your trust in Jesus? Um, I did that when I was a teenager. I uh, went to a drama Man, I, 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 there was a drama of people just living life, and some of them, uh, they died, and they stood before the judge, and those that put their faith and trust in Jesus, they, their sins were forgiven, and they went to heaven, and those that didn't had paid for their own sins, and they went to hell, and it was like a thousand pounds were on my chest, and that night, I called upon the name of the Lord as best I could, and I put my faith and trust in Jesus, and my life was never the same since. So as I close today, I want to ask you this question. Has anything like that ever happened to you? Or are you still trying to figure this out? I'm not asking you if the same exact stories happened. Maybe it was at camp. Maybe it was at home. Maybe it was at church. Has there been a time where you realized, man, that God created you and you sinned against God and that Jesus paid for your sins and that you need to trust in him and you called upon him to save you? Has there been a time like that for you? And so as we um, close, if we all bow our heads and close our eyes in this room today, I always do a reverse invitation, kind of a little bit different. With every head bowed and every eye closed, um, if you do have a story of putting your faith and trust in Jesus. If you do have a story, would you raise your hand nice and high? If you do have a story, you have a testimony of putting your faith and trust in If you do, nice and high, keep it up. So I just want to see across the room. If you do have a story of putting your faith and trust in Jesus, you've been born again. So if you do have a story, raise your hand nice and high so I can see that. Awesome. So most of us here do have a story. Um, hey, everybody catch me eye to eye here real fast. If you didn't have your hand up just then, the Bible says no one will see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. Guys, that's an event. What day was that baby born? 
December 29th. It's a big day. That was an event, probably even a time, right? It wasn't a time where like, oh, I've always been born. No, it was a time they weren't. He wasn't born. Now he is. You know, um, same as being born again, John 3, 3. You don't want to see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. There was a time we weren't born again, and then a time we were born again. And that moment is when we put our faith and trust in Jesus. So if you need to do that today, I encourage you. We're going we're gonna to sing a song. Uh, Nick will be down at the front. I'll be down at the front as well. And you just walk to us and say, hey, I, I need a testimony. I need to be born again. I need, I need to trust in Jesus. Or maybe it's you need to commit to something this year to advance the gospel. It's going to send a ripple into eternity, you know? Or maybe it's, it's you need to join this church or take that first step of obedience to be baptized. Or, or maybe it's just some other steps of obedience God is calling you to do. You're going to commit to, man, within 72 hours, I'm going to, I'm going to open a gospel conversation with somebody. You know, uh, whatever it is that God's revealed to you, he's part of the curtains for you today. Are you going to obey, right? That's your part. And so this is a time to respond to do that. Whether you come forward or respond in your seat, uh, we just want to respond to the Lord. Let me pray, and then we'll we'll have our invitation. Uh, Lord, thank you for um, our dear friends and the dear flock you have here at First Baptist Enid. And Lord, um, you you put them here for a reason. Whether you put them here this morning to hear the gospel, that they need to be born again to be saved, and that they need to have a testimony, that they would have that today if they don't have that. Uh, Or Lord, uh, maybe you revealed that they need to uh, take the first step of obedience, being baptized, or join this church, or, or uh, share their faith with somebody. Lord, I pray, God, whatever you have revealed to these, that they would obey, and that, that their lives would be transformed. Lord, their, this community would be transformed. This world would be transformed. So help us to respond to you and obey today. In Jesus' name, amen. If we all stand together, we're going to have a brief invitation, and then we'll, uh, we'll be done.